0: Okay, now quickly, I'd like to introduce our speaker for today. Our speaker for today is Rebecca Hamilton. She's coming from the organization Forces of Nature Alliance, our Moment of Power. So without further ado, please welcome Rebecca. Rebecca. Hi, um, so I'm Rebecca Hamilton. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that we're gathered on the um, unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. We, in Force of Nature, don't say this just because we feel we need to. We really think it's important to think about whose land we're on. To get here today, you had to know what street you were on, what neighborhood, what city you were in, but you didn't have to think about um, who inhabited this land before we did. And so we think that this is just an important thing to bring up, um, which is possible. Okay, so who are we from Force of Nature? Um, It's not just me standing up here. We are an organization established in 2014 in Metro Vancouver. Um, we have four paid staff and around 100 committed um, like b- long-term volunteers. Um, we have over 40,000 British Columbians who've signed our petitions and who are on our mailing list. And we've run a number of campaigns in the past, including the Solarize Our Cities campaign, um, which aimed to streamline solar regulations in Metro Vancouver and also pulled together in support of um, campaigns against Kinder Morgan. Right now we're mainly focused on an election campaign, which I'm going to talk more about. So it was great to hear about the election um, from you earlier. Okay, so briefly today we're going to talk about climate change, climate solutions in Metro Vancouver, um, what we can do and how Mission Transition plays into this. And I heard that you really like to ask questions at the end, so I'm going to try and leave plenty of time for a part- Okay. part um Before we get into climate change, um, I want you to turn to the person next to you and quickly talk about something that you really like about your community and also something that you want to improve about your community. So why are we talking about this other presentation about climate change? Um, well, I think that climate change is a very overwhelming and scary and huge issue, but it's, we're not helping anyone if we're just paralyzed by fear. So I think it's important to really talk about um, the positives and to focus on what we are happy about in our city before we talk about um, the scary parts of climate change. And also, at Force of Nature, with our project mission transition, we're really focused on integrating different parts of change making. So climate change doesn't need to be its own um, small corner of how we make change in the world. We really need to talk about how we can um, incorporate in um, creating a safe future with also improving a lot of the other challenges right now. For example, housing affordability. Um, These all need to be addressed at once. Okay. So some quick recap of climate change. Um, There's currently more carbon in the atmosphere than at any other time in human history. And because of this, global flooding could triple by 2020. Um, Some scientists estimate that we may be on track for for three degrees of warming by 2100. and we're feeling the effects of this right now. So 2016 was the hottest year on record, and 16 out of the 17 hottest years on record have occurred since the year 2000. So our world is warming a lot right now. And we're feeling the effects of this here. OK. Um, of course, as any of you were here this summer or last summer know, uh, wildfires are increasingly becoming a big problem that are having an impact on everybody in BC during the summer. So 2017 was the biggest wildfire season ever. Um, the Plateau Fire was the biggest fire in BC's recorded history during that year, and over 900,000 hectares of land burned. We are also feeling other effects of climate change. For example, melting glaciers in BC and Alaska is becoming a major issue and is Um, wreaking havoc with our water system, so in the future it's gonna be harder for us to have clean water um, that's readily available during the summer. Also, salmon are a huge part of our community, um, culturally and ecologically in British Columbia, and as rising sea level and um, warming oceans are causing massive salmon die-offs, as well as other coastal fisheries. Um, Additionally, flooding is impacting many Metro Vancouver municipalities, from West Van to White Rock. And these big environmental changes are going to mean big infrastructure, which is going to mean big amounts of money. Um, For example, a 2012 provincial government study predicted that Metro Vancouver will spend $9.4 billion to adjust to a one meter sea level rise over the next 100 years. And this is an outdated study. Um, Sea levels are expected to rise more than one meter. And so we're gonna be spending big amounts of money in addressing this crisis. So it seems to make sense then to spend money to prevent this crisis from happening right now instead of to deal with the aftermath of it. Um, so of course there is action being taken around the world uh, as many of you know, the Paris Climate Agreement was a really important milestone in international climate negotiations. It was the first time that the global community came together and agreed on a limit of two degrees of warming in order to prevent catastrophic change. They also agreed on a funding model for developing countries and committed to publishing targets. So this is really great, but these promises don't mean anything unless we actually work to implement them. So for example, with our current um, Canadian federal government policies, uh, we're not going to meet the promises we agreed to at at Paris, which were too low to begin with. So we need to take action to fill this gap between the promises and where we're going to be with our federal government policy. So this is a parody article from a joke website. That reminds us that we have the technological solutions we need to reduce emissions. It's just a question of generating the political will to implement them. And happily, there are communities all around the world who are generating this will and implementing these these technologies. For example, Germany is a really cool example with their Energy When movement. Um, This arose actually before climate change even became a major issue out of the anti-nuclear movement. And we really like it with Force of Nature because it's an example of community organizing being, um, for citizens rising up to transition their community to renewable energy. Um, they were... so. Or- Some things that organized citizens did included protesting industrial energy projects, um, taking over local electrical utilities, and starting renewable energy co-ops. And Germany still leads the way today in solar energy capacity, but many other European countries like Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, and Finland are following suit. But it's not just wealthy European countries that are taking action. Um, China is the world's current leader in installed solar capacity and they're installing a football field's worth of solar panels every hour, which I think is pretty exciting. And Costa Rica currently meets 97% of its energy needs from renewable um, resources with a plan of becoming carbon neutral by 2021. Kenya is leading on the African continent with um, major investments in hydroelectric, geothermal and wind and a goal of 77% renew. Um, So Mission Transition, which is the project that I'm involved in with Force of Nature, is our contribution to this global movement, but at a municipal level. So we're focused on a municipal level because we believe that this is the most effective way to take action. It's much easier to influence politics where you live and to um, change the community where you are. It's hard to organize a campaign Uh, with people thousands of kilometers across the country. 80% of Canadians live in urban areas and municipalities have jurisdiction to curb over 50% of all of the emissions in Canada. So if all of our municipalities rose up and took action, we could really make a big impact on our climate. Um, But where do our emissions come from? You can't fight a problem if you don't know what's solving. So here's a breakdown of greenhouse gas emissions in Metro Vancouver. As you can see, the two main emission sources are light duty vehicles, so personal cars, and also buildings. So mainly burning gas in order to heat the building. Um, Industry, agriculture, and waste are also other big sources. So we have developed a framework of five key concepts which address all these main emission sources. So this is the lens through which we look at Um, So compact communities, multimodal transportation, renewable energy, green jobs, and a circular economy. And I'm going to go into each of these more in depth. Okay. So compact communities is the idea of dense housing developments connected by efficient transit networks. Um, And workplaces, schools, shops, and housing are all nearby to prevent long uh, commutes also an abundance of green space and urban wild places and land use planning that favors sustainable methods of transportation such as walking biking and transit and this as you can see will be connected to our next concept of um, sustainable transport so a really great example of this is lonsdale in north van have any of you been there yeah so there's lots of um different amenities really close by um, that are very walkable and it's densifying around the C bus station. So this is around an efficient transit hub. Um, Olympic Village is also a really great example and that's really cool because all of their heating comes from um, a district energy uh, system which means that their heating comes from their, their sewage, the excess heat from the sewage. And also they have very um, limited parking and really accessible transit and biking. I know I bike by there frequently, and it's a really great place to bike. around. Um, New Westminster is also a great example. And um, a problem with compact communities, especially in Metro Vancouver, where, um, as you of course mentioned, that affordability is really a big problem here. And so compact communities and densification can be sort of a difficult subject because... Um densification can sometimes be the rationale for, um, for destroying affordable housing and kicking people out of um, affordable renting stock in order to produce expensive condos. And this is not what we are advocating for. This is not a good answer for anyone. Um, MetroTown is an example of where they're doing um, compact communities poorly. Lots of rental stock is being knocked down in order to s- towers around the Metro town station. And so this is important to keep in mind that, of course, all these issues intersect and we aren't just talking about climate change at the expense of everything else. And, okay, Um, also an important part of compact communities is creating livable communities that are better to live in. So um, why I'm excited about climate action is that, um, okay, sorry, this presentation changed a bit and so I'm a little disoriented, but okay. Okay, thanks. Um, so, we, so climate action has the potential to make us live in more livable and happier cities that improve our lives. For example, um, how many of you feel disconnected to your neighbors? I know I do. I don't feel like I live in like a strong community where I know the people around me. Part of compact communities is really increasing social cohesion and making people feel like they're part of a community. Um, a recent study was uh, released, I'm not sure if any of you read about it, where it said that the Vancouver is actually one of the most unhappy places to live in Canada, Vancouver and Toronto and the reasons that it listed were a lack of um, inc- people felt like they weren't part of a community number one number two was um, traffic and number three was affordability and so we're trying to address this aspect of unhappiness with compact communities and living in stronger communities. Um, transportation. Of course if we're going to reduce emissions we need to cut down on the amount of single um, occupancy cars that are driving around and polluting. Uh, Vancouver is actually a really great example of um, a, a community that does this. So what we mean by multimodal transportation is involves transitioning away from single occupancy vehicles to a combination of other transit modes, such as buses, trains, EVs, biking, and walking. So it includes accessible transit that is available to everyone and increasing bus surface. So in Vancouver, over 50% of trips are made by biking, walking, or transit. But we still have a ways to go. Um, In Surrey, a new light rail is being put in place, which will allow um, for faster transit and more people going away from cars. And West Vancouver is actually the electric vehicle um, capital of the world. They have more electric vehicles per capita than any other area in Canada. And um, the Arbutus Greenway in Vancouver is another really great example of the action that we want to take. It's allowing um, a more interconnected community where people can bike um, in a really... I love biking down the Arbutus Greenway because it's so fast. And renewable energy is also really important when we're talking about climate action. Um, However, here in Metro Vancouver, we're lucky enough to have 97% of our electricity come from renewable sources, mainly large-scale hydro. And so, our main fights here aren't closing down um, coal plants, or advocating for more, um, or really working to replace those with solar energy. Um, however, there's an important distinction to be made between electricity and energy. So, although most of our electricity comes from renewable sources, Energy is things like heating homes and running cars. And that doesn't come from renewable sources. And as we're transitioning away from um, burning gas in our cars and in our buildings, we need to also be increasing our electricity, um, our available renewable electricity. And so tsleil two solar is a really great example of this. Um, this is the Slavertooth Nation has a massive solar panel in their community on the North Shore that moves across the sky as the sun moves. Um, and this is a great example of a community coming together to build their own um, solution. Sapperton District Energy is another great example. So District Energy is, I talked a bit about earlier, with Olympic Village. And we, District Energy is when a number of buildings are connected together on the same heating system. And so um, a renewable source of heating can be used in all these buildings instead of each building burning their own gas to heat their building. Um, so the Olympic Village is heated by um, sewage off heat, but district energy can also be powered by biogas. Um, so this is when composting, um, the heat from that, or or when um, our classic energy, uh, or, so a refrigerator um, cools the, the fridge by drawing away the heat from the building or from the like, box. And, um, and so if you go behind your fridge, then it's heated. And so this is what district energy looks like, but on a bigger level, is you have one central um, generation station where the heat is being drawn away from the like, generation station and is being brought to all the different buildings. And we really need to look at implementing this more. Geothermal is also a really great way of generating heat or electricity. You don't need volcanic hotspots to do this. And you, the constant heat of the center of the earth, you can drill down and and by putting water down and then the steam comes up and you can use the steam to either run a turbine or heat your house. Um, green jobs are really an important conversation to be having in, when we're talking about the climate crisis. Because over 10,000 British Columbians work in oil and gas. And as we're transitioning away from these sectors, we don't want to leave these people behind. Everybody needs to be included in this transition. Um, a great example of this is again, District Energy Enrichment, which is generating over 650 jobs, which is really great for all the workers there. And also transit really puts people to work. The mayor's transit plan will create over 26,000 jobs per year of direct new employment over 10 years. So that's a lot of jobs that is also contributing directly um, to a more sustainable world. So green jobs can, there's two categories of green jobs. There's jobs that directly um, contribute to a greener future. For example, working in um, renewable energy or district energy. And then there's also jobs that are inherently low emission. For example, um, clean tech in Surrey, which is the BC's tech sector employs 10 times more people than our oil and gas sector, and average wage wages are 75% higher than BC's average wage. Now, finally, the circular economy. So we can't just talk about reducing emissions within Metro Vancouver, because everything that we use here also results in emissions elsewhere in the world. There are no boundaries between in our atmosphere. So for example, all the stuff that we use was probably produced somewhere out of Metro Vancouver. And it was produced by burning coal or burning um, oil to run the factory. So we need to talk about how we can reduce the amount of stuff we use and how we can reuse this stuff and how we can share it. So a really cool example of this is the Vancouver Tool Library. So you know when you buy a tool because you need it for one project, but then you never really use it again? Um, well, this problem is solved by having a shared space where anybody can go to borrow a tool um, for one project and then they can return it. It's the concept of a book library but with tools. And I, so th- we need more of this going forward. Also, the loopy zero waste cafe. Um, this is a really cool cafe that uses seconds of vegetables um, to produce food as a social enterprise um, at a reduced price for anyone. So a lot of food is wasted in our food system. Over 40% of food that is grown never gets eaten. And a lot of this is thrown away by supermarkets because it's a day old or there's one imperfection with it. However, a lot of this can be used to make, um, for example, vegetable stew. So if you have imperfect um, tomatoes, you can make a tomato sauce out of it and it still works fine. And so we need to be looking at more creative solutions like this. Okay, Um, how do you think, would you guys rather like talk a bit now or just ask questions at the end? Okay, we'll go for that. Um, So there's a number of different ways that we can implement all of these solutions. For example, there's personal choices. So that's when each individual chooses to go vegan or to recycle or to not drive a car. Or there's government mandated decisions. So for example, um, implementing a pesticide tax so that the cost of organic food and conventional food are more in line, and thus allowing more people to buy organic. Or um, mandating that there's no animal products in a country. Or requiring that everybody recycles or risk going to jail. These are just examples. There's also corporate or market forces that can lead to change. So this is, for example, when a company decides um, to produce a tastier vegan product so that more people will choose to eat it. Um, or a government or a company could figure out a way to pay people for their recycled goods. So say if a bunch of people bring in plastic, the company will pay them for it, and then more people will want to recycle. Um, there's also, so these are all like very valid and important parts of making change. But at Force of Nature, we're focused on community organizing. So this is when people come together um, to create change that they couldn't individually, and with or without just the in, just influencing um, top level decision makers. So, a couple of examples of what we mean by this is I tap that Richmond, which is a group of people um, that came together to advocate for more uh, reusable water bottle fillers in Metro in Richmond. Let me just find it. Okay, um, and is advocating for a disposable water ban. Uh, Solarize Our Cities was a 2017 campaign run by Force of Nature to ask six municipalities for an expedited permitting process for residential solar panels. Um, So these are examples of power over strategies. And this is when we ask somebody in charge to make a decision. So we say yes or no to something that's already happening. Um, There's also power with strategies, which is when people come together without um interacting with government. Uh, So an example of this is SolShare, which is a social enterprise in Metro in Vancouver that sells small shares in large commercial-sized solar panels to individuals with small amounts of money that they want to invest in renewable energy. Then people who want to purchase their electricity from this company um can pay like a price to get um to support these solar panels and then the dividends from this go to all of the smaller shareholders. Another example is Cool North Shore, which is a group of people on the North Shore that come together um, to host cocktail parties about climate change and um, organize bulk buys and home retrofits. So these are different strategies we can use, but whatever strategy we're using, people power is the solution. The most effective way to create long term change, we believe, is mobilizing people from all different parts of a community to believe in this common vision and work towards it together. So, now just a bit about mission transition and what exactly we're doing. Um, So, our vision is to empower grassroots community action teams to elect visionary climate leaders and fight for high-impact, locally-relevant climate solutions, because it's time for communities to rise up and put an end to the climate crisis. We're doing this by organizing the Solutions Revolution in Metro Vancouver, through trainings and workshops such as this one and our intensive two-day organizing, um, electing champions and local climate action. So right now we're working on a campaign electing champions. So um, as was mentioned earlier, we have a municipal election coming up on October 20th. And we really want to make sure that climate champions get elected to city council because it's much easier to make change if the people making the decisions um, want to make that change. And so our community action teams identified Two people running for council in each community um, who they think will be strongest on taking climate action. Now we're running phone banks in order to encourage all of our supporters to A, just go out and vote because um, democracy is important and we all need to participate and to be to vote for these um, people who we believe are climate champions. Um, once we're done with this campaign, we're gonna focus on local climate action. Um, so implementing projects in each community. So this is the structure, briefly, of our organization. We have community action teams in eight different com- and then we have four um, central organizing teams to support them. There's the MOP team, which is what I'm on, giving moment of power presentation, um, research team, recruitment team, and data and admin. So if you're interested in participating in our project, um, we have a di- number of different ways to get involved. Right now, our main um, ask is for people to get involved in phone banks. We really need people calling all of our supporters. Um, All training is provided. If you're interested, please come talk to me after. Um, We also need research presenters, recruiters, team leads, lots of different people. So this is our moment of power, and you can lead the way. Thank you.